from St. John's Gospel, Jesus said, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning, friends. Well, tomorrow, if you're keeping track of such things, tomorrow is day number 14, right? When this is supposed to all be finished and over with, and we all go back to work and carry on with our lives as per usual. Somehow, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not blaming Trump. I'm not blaming anybody for it. We are really, as we all know, we are in the midst of something which really nobody has any control over it, nor do we really even understand it. We are, as they say, in uncharted territory. And so I think the, the only thing we can do, and I think the best thing we can do, and here's the teaching moment for today, the only thing we can do is wait, pray. And I think for most of us, certainly for me, the hardest part in all of this, this COVID-19 coronavirus mess, is that we don't know what to expect, right? We don't know what's going to come next. We don't really know what's going to happen. We don't know how dangerous this, this thing is, how widespread it is. We cannot plan. And so the question becomes, now what do you do? Well, here's the deal, right? We are still in Lent. And so for the Christian, anyway, even a global pandemic is an opportunity. Every instance placed before you in this life is an opportunity. It is. It is an opportunity to do one thing, to learn to trust in God, which, of course, is the whole purpose of life in the first place, right? It's an opportunity, friends. It's an opportunity to learn to trust God. I mean, if you just stop and think, right? After all, if God is sovereign, right? He's in control of everything. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He knows even the number of hairs on your head, Scripture says. If that's true, then maybe we need to take a collective deep breath, right? And just calm the heck down. And see the situation from God's perspective. Turn off Fox News. Turn off CNN. Let's look at the big picture, literally. God's picture. And I want to look at the story of Lazarus today, which I've preached a hundred times. Not a hundred, well, maybe a hundred, actually. I've never preached it like this before. I want to show you something which jumped out at me. Three points that come out of this text that are applicable to us today. And it's pretty simple, but it's profound. And it's this, three things. Does, does God's delay, does God's delay have a purpose? Do we sell him short? And does he give us evidence to prove his claim? Does God's delay have a purpose in your life and mine? Does our own impatience, mine and yours, sell him short? You bet it does. And then finally, does God give us evidence to learn to trust him? So first thing I want to see, look here with the story of Lazarus is does God's delay, his seeming lack of response, is there a purpose? Is there meaning in it? And I submit to you that there is. In fact, in our gospel, we read this morning the story known as the raising of Lazarus. It's a dramatic story, right? People in the first century, like today, dead people stay dead, right? So for Lazarus to be raised from the dead, kind of draws a crowd, right? People are curious about this thing going on. But I'm not going to focus on Lazarus today. I'm not going to focus on his crawling out of the tomb because the purpose isn't Lazarus, right? Lazarus died again. The purpose of the raising of Lazarus from the dead is to provide evidence, to provide proof. Let me give you some stories. So we read that Lazarus is ill. Lazarus is Jesus' friend. Jesus had friends, right? He's a guy. He's a man. 
he has friends, and people, Martha and Mary, Lazarus' sisters, send a messenger to Jesus and say, Jesus, man, Lazarus is really, really sick, really sick. Now, Jesus is two miles away, which is maybe from here to, I don't know, Bonefish Grill? <laughs> Not very far. And picture the scene, right? Jesus is over, you know, two miles away, and this messenger arrives, right? Jesus, the Lord, the one whom you love, Lazarus, your friend, your pal, your bud. He's ill, man, and it doesn't look good. So what does Jesus do? Up and at him. Let's go, boys. We're going we're gonna to charge the hill and solve this problem, right? Let's go, man. Time's a-wasting. And for crying out loud, somebody call Dr. Fauci, right? You know, I was thinking about this the other day, total side note. You know, Jim Cantore is the hurricane guy, right? So now there's going to have to be like an arm wrestle or something between Jim, Dr. Fauci and Jim Cantore of who is the, most, uh, uh, Christ, the best crisis reporter extraordinaire. We'll wait and see. But Jesus tells his friends. Jesus, not Dr. Fauci. Jesus says, Lazarus is almost dead. And he says to them something cryptic. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, hmm. Well, this illness does not lead to death, for it is to the glory of God that you might believe. And then he does, wait for it, nothing. He sits down, he has a seat for four days. Chapter 11, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and Mary and her, and her sister and Lazarus, so when he, Jesus, heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I mean, imagine this scene, right? And I want you to hear this. This is so profound and important for us today. Imagine this, right? The phone call, right? Hey, Father Chris. Uh, yeah, it's Dr. Fauci. Yeah, I'm giving you a ring. Uh, yeah, your good buddy, Tommy Allen. He's, uh, he's had a bad fall and he's sick and man, he's in the hospital and you need to go see him immediately. What if I said, you know, Dr. Fauci, thanks for the call, man, but I'm in the middle of a Seinfeld marathon here. Can I call you later? From the perspective of Martha and Mary, this is the part I want you to see here, friends. It appears that their request for help has fallen on deaf ears. It appears that their prayer has gone unanswered. It appears that Jesus doesn't care. Lord, what are you doing? But here's the thing, they, like us, don't have the full story. Let me ask you, how many times in your own life have you asked God for help, and despite your calls out for Christ, your prayer seemingly goes unanswered, falls on deaf ears? Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe he's too busy. Mar you know, Martha's got a few words for Jesus when he shows up. I'll get to that in a minute. But imagine, you know, you're the messenger who shows up. Jesus, come quickly. Lazarus, your friend, is sick, and he says, well... Nah, I'm staying. Anybody got a Coke? I mean, but Jesus is not ignoring the situation. He tells us why he does it. He says, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, your sake, it's second person plural, for y'all, I'm glad I was not there so that you might believe. Well, what is going on? Hear me, hear me, hear me. Jesus' delay, listen, is part of a bigger plan. It's bigger, a bigger plan than Martha or Mary or you or I can possibly imagine. Here's my point. Point number one, when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus Christ, do not confuse delay with deny. 
Do not confuse delay with deny. We assume that because God doesn't answer our prayers in our time frame, 14 days, whatever it is, we presume that because God does not feel like accommodating our schedules, that he doesn't want to keep our calendar, that our prayer goes unanswered. Guess what? Guess what? You know, there are three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and wait. All three are answers. But I want you to remember something. This is key. God has a plan, friends, and y'all are part of it. It might seem like unanswered prayer. It certainly does to Martha and Mary. And in fact, God is, Jesus Christ is using this as an opportunity to teach them and you and I to trust him in a bigger way. That God is actually maybe in all of this coronavirus nonsense and mess teaching us to look for something bigger than we can even comprehend. Friends, God's delay is not God's deny. It has a purpose. So Jesus waits for two days. He waits, and he says, finally, you know what? Lazarus has fallen asleep. And they're like, what do you mean he's asleep? And Jesus, no, 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 he's, he's dead. He's dead. And I'm going to go raise him so that you can see that I can do it. Jesus and his disciples, they leave. They go to Bethany, right? It takes them four days to get there. And listen to what Martha says to Jesus. She says, and there's a little bit of, there's a lot of rebuke in this language. You ever been there? Lord, where are you, man? Where you been, man? All I get is dial tone. She says, Lord, listen to this. It's so heartbreaking, but it's, we've all been there. She says, you know, hey, Jesus, thanks for showing up. But Lord, if you'd been here, if you'd been here, you know, my brother would not have died. Let me translate that for you. What took you so long? <laughs> Why the delay? been four days. Jesus, four days. What do you hear in that statement? I want you to hear the same thing that's in your heart right now. Anger and frustration and maybe a little bit of venting and a lot of fear and disappointment even, maybe. Jesus, I trusted you and man, you let me down. But see, Martha, the one key thing here, you see, is Martha knew that Jesus could do it. She knew it. She'd seen him in action. She'd, she'd heard about the man born blind that we read about last week where Jesus spit on the ground and put mud on his eyes and healed him. Martha heard about that. She'd seen it in action. She'd heard about the crippled man at the, the, the pool, the, the gate that Jesus had healed him. She was there at the feeding of the 5,000 with two loaves and a few fish. Martha had seen Jesus in action with her own eyes. She knew he could do it. But she, like us, made a fatal flaw. She underestimated him. I mean, look, I think one of the reasons why you and I get disappointed in our prayer life is because we set the bar too low, man. We sell God short. Even though we know better, I know better, and you know better. You're sitting, the few of you that are here, all of you on the, online that are watching, you know better, so do I. But yet our fear, our disappointment, we sell God short. We cower. We cower in fear because we sell God short. We don't trust him the way that we say we do. Just last week, I was talking to Lee Rogers, my good friend and our senior warden here. We were talking about all this, uh, this um, on the news and the coronavirus and everybody fearful and all this stuff. And he said, you know, Father Chris, he goes, he says, you know, I got a different perspective on all this. He said, I grew up in Venezuela. He was born in Venezuela, if you didn't know that. I grew up in Venezuela as a preacher's kid. I was a missionary's kid. He goes, man, I've seen things in my own life that are far beyond coronavirus. I've seen people that are possessed by demons. I've seen people that have been healed miraculously. He goes, man, none of this stuff scares me. 
I'm not afraid of this. You know why? Because he's seen God in action. Friends, if Jesus Christ is the God of the impossible, with him, nothing stands, man. Everything falls before him. With him, friends, death is no more permanent than a Sunday afternoon nap. Martha, like all of us, friends, including me, we sell Jesus short. We don't do it on purpose. But Jesus has a bigger plan, right? He's always got a bigger plan. That's, that's, he's God. He's got a bigger plan. He wasn't going to heal her brother. No, 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 Martha. I'm not going to. I'm going to go. I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to raise him from the dead. Watch this, she says. He says. Now, what I want you to see here for you, friends, is in the middle of all this confusion and suffering and just lack of control and fear, just remember, write it down. God's got a plan. It's a lot bigger than you think. And that brings me to my last point then, this evidence. Does God give us evidence for his purposes, even in his delays? Does God give us evidence? Did you notice something that in the reading of the Valley of the Dry Bones from his, uh, in the Old Testament lesson and in the Gospel lesson, in both cases, the dead are raised for one reason, to give evidence, to show that he can do it. The raising of Lazarus from the dead is the ultimate expression of Jesus' divinity, aside from his own resurrection. And if you don't know this, Jesus isn't the first person to raise the dead. The difference is, in Elijah, in, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 17, the prophet Elijah comes across a dead, uh, dead child, and he, uh, the prophet Elijah raises this child from the dead, and Elijah says, and I quote, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. Jesus doesn't appeal to God. Jesus says, hey, Lazarus, Come here. Jesus raises Lazarus, friends, on his own authority. Jesus' own words, his command, raises the dead. He does the one thing that nobody could do unless they really were God. He gives incontrovertible evidence to prove who he is. Unbind him. I love this. Unbind him and let him go. You know, I said this morning in the beginning of the sermon that here's the thing, right? Have you ever asked God for prayer and it goes seemingly unanswered? Ever prayed and concluded that God isn't hearing you? Man, friends, has the virus outbreak gotten you so scared and fearful that you can't even leave the house? Fear has a way of doing that. It has a way of blocking our hearts, of, of making us focus inwardly on our circumstances rather than being reminded that Jesus Christ is in control. Martha and Mary are the example. They concluded that Jesus had shut them out, but what he shows them, you see, is that his picture is much bigger than they could have possibly imagined. His picture is much bigger than you or I can possibly imagine. Friends, Jesus has got this, man. He's got it all. He's God. Don't let our impatience, our fear, our short-sightedness block our own eyes from seeing his work Friends, if you're waiting on God, and a lot of, most of, all of you are in some way, right? <laughs> Get ready for something big. There's a bigger plan than meets the eye, and friends, as Jesus' followers, you are a part of it. A delay from God is not a deny, but an opportunity, say it again, a chance for you and I to learn to trust God more. That's what life's all about. That's the meaning of life, by the way, to learn to trust God. This is an opportunity for you and I to learn to trust him more. And to be ready and be blessed in his response that we right now 
cannot even possibly imagine. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for Lazarus, for Jesus raising him from the dead. Give us patience, give us faithfulness, even in the midst of sorrow and suffering and confusion and fear. And Lord, remind us that delay is not a deny. Remind us to expect great things from you, that you've got a plan and we are a part of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.